0: We believe the same things that happened yesterday, in times past, in the scriptures, Lord, can happen still today. We don't believe that you're done with your church. We believe the church is the hope of the world. But God, we need a church that is on fire for God. We believe the fire can fall again in our lives, Lord. And it can burn from the inside of us, Lord God. We just ask that you would take away any hindrances by your fire, God. Any sin, Lord Jesus, would just be come up from the inside of us, Lord, the dross, and we'd say no to that anymore. We would not return like a dog to its vomit, God. We would not go back to those old places. We leave the past in the past. and We don't look behind, but we press on, God, toward the mark or the prize or the high calling of God. You have something that you've destined us for, Lord. But in order for that destiny to be fulfilled, we need your glory to fall again on your church. We need to feel the presence of God in our midst, Lord. We want to know that you're with us and in us, and that you're doing greater and mighty works in us, like you said you would. Greater things will you do in my name, and it's in Jesus' name that all things are possible. But you said that you would give us the gift of the Holy Spirit. We ask for that gift to be present here tonight. to Speak to us. Speak to us through your words. Speak to us, Lord, personally, Give us a rhema word from your word in Jesus' name. And everybody said, yeah. amen and amen. Come on, let's give the Lord one big praise. Yeah, yeah. Woo! Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Oh, wow. How many feel the presence of God already, man? If you, if you, don't, if you don't, I don't know. We're going to have to plug you into a wall or something. Seriously, Listen, uh, I'm going to bring the word right now, but I want you to give some love around you. Maybe high-five somebody or give them a handshake. Uh, and just tell somebody you love them. They look good. And just mix it up for a couple of minutes. Just mix it up. Get some love. Thank you, Jesus. Welcome to Sunday Night Live. For those of you who are here for the first time, shazam, shazam. Shazam. <laughs> Shazam. If you're new to Connect, my name is Pastor Derek, and I just want to welcome you to our church. And uh, this is a service that we have once a month. Uh, it's kind of, we call it our more service. And so, what we mean by that is we get more time for worship, we get more time for prayer. Uh, We give more time to go into the scriptures a little bit deeper, uh, encounter and experience the God with a little bit more freedom. We don't have multiple services on a Sunday night. We just have one. As a result, sometimes throwing it out there a little bit further on a Sunday, people have to kind of go the extra mile. You know, to get something more out of something, you have to put a little extra into something. I didn't get a good amen on that. You get to get to get a little more out of something. You got to put a little extra into something, okay? And so there's just something about uh, the people that come out on Sunday night. They te- typically are a little bit more in pursuit of the presence of God. There's a little bit more hunger. It's not convenient. It's not comfortable. Sometimes the couch seems much more comfortable. The remote control is closer. You know uh, the food is easy access, and uh there's just there's just something that comes over us, and we can just kind of fall back into that natural default of just you know um, you know summer 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 time. you know what I mean? uh just easy like Sunday morning kind of thing, but there's just something about you know stretching and going out again and going for another. Another cup, another drink of the Holy Spirit, and I just want to commend you for for coming out on Sunday night. I believe the Lord is and will continue to reward you because you have come to uh, to come come to a little bit extra. You put a little bit extra in. And so high five to all of you for doing that. I just believe God honors that. Um, so it's our more service. The, the, the other thing I just want to let you know is um, God may speak to you tonight. I believe with all my heart, I've prayed a lot. I've walked these aisles praying that God would speak to you. And sometimes I can be talking, but he's, he's already talking to you. Go ahead and listen to him. And respond to him. Um, if you get something, when I say get something, you receive something from the Holy Spirit that you believe has corporate or or um, benefit to the entire body. Um, don't just speak it out or do it on your own. Just come and submit it to uh, to a leader. That'd probably be you know Pastor Deidre, or myself. And where's Jonathan? Is he in the room? Where's Jonathan Rice? My my. Uh... He's somewhere. He's probably running the show downstairs. Anyway, he's this really tall, handsome uh, Brazilian guy. You just just go to him, and he'll let you know if it's okay. He's very sensitive to what's happening in the room. He's usually, you know, trolling around here all the time. Um, but uh, you can submit that to him, and he can help you with that. So just want to mention that to you as well. Um, let me give you the kind of the game plan. Um, this is kind of... Uh, you know, a part and a sequence of messages that we've been doing on the subject of the Holy Spirit, firepower. And basically the big idea of the series is that the Holy Spirit is not just a dry doctrine, you know, uh, to talk about, uh, to believe, but, it's a, but the Holy Spirit is a person. And it, he, is, he brings, for, brings to us and wants to give to us his power to receive. And so I've been just talking about that and just kind of dispelling a lot of the myths and the bad press that has been out there on the Holy Spirit for about three weeks. If you, how many of you have been listening or been a part of the Firepower series? Raise your hand good and high so I can get an idea. Okay, so most of you have been a part of that. Praise the Lord. If you haven't, please go online. Uh, you can go to weconnect.cc and listen to those messages uh, or also go to our YouTube channel and listen to those. So you can kind of get, you know, some of the um, foundations of what we've been talking about about, but this is kind of like, we've been leading towards the first couple of messages have been about the person of the Holy Spirit, and last week, we've been introducing uh, the subject of the language of the Holy Spirit, which is really related to the power of the Holy Spirit, and so tonight, I'm going to teach on the baptism of the Holy Spirit, tongues of fire, uh, kind of continuation, or baptism by fire, and uh, and then we're going to pray for people to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit at the end of this service, and, 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 and it's just going to be awesome, it's just going to be awesome, that's all I can say about it, okay? Amen? Let me open with the word to prayer, and then um, we'll continue, amen, close your eyes, just not so that it makes you more spiritual, but just so you can focus, and I just want you to look at your own heart, and uh, let God speak to it, Holy Spirit, you are welcome in this place, just like we've, we've, we've sang before, even this morning, have your way, God, I'm, I'm just here to do, is here to do and say whatever you want. Thank you, God. Ask for a sweet anointing to speak, God, to us. Blow through this place, God, with the wind of your Holy Spirit. We need you so bad. Sometimes we don't think we do. But it's really then we need you the most. Help us to be dependent on you, God. I declare, we declare our dependence on you, Holy Spirit. Make your word come alive. Jesus, when you would speak, it says so many places that... You made the scriptures come alive to them. They could see them, and it opened their hearts. And I just pray that you open our hearts. Let, the, let him who has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit would say. Not what Derek Fry would say or any other person would say, but what the Spirit of God would say. Touch us, each person, in a personal way tonight, through your word. I pray for a fresh, fresh fire to fall in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Jesus. Help me, God. Well, you can get your uh, Bibles out if you have a Bible, or you can open up Version. I'm going to do a lot of Bible thumping. This would be a good one to watch again, listen to again, um, and also take notes on. I'm going to basically um, clear up, again, some confusion about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, uh, the fire of the Holy Spirit falling on people, and um, there's a kind of a gap, a lot of confusion about it, in particular in America today, there's a confusion about it, and uh, it stems way, way back, but uh, I'm going to read some scripture, I'm going to make some comments, and then we're going to pray, okay? This is from Acts chapter 19, the first scripture is Acts chapter 19, and I'm going to read from verses 1 and following, is everybody ready for the reading of the word? Okay, it says this, it says, uh, while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus, thank you, Pastor Deach. And there he found some disciples and asked them, he asked them this, he said, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Pay attention to that. Did you receive the Holy Spirit after you already came to believe? They answered, no, we have not even heard there is a Holy Spirit. And this is really most of the church in America today, not the rest of the world necessarily. With almost 700 million charismatics in the world today. And by 2020, it's predicted that there'll be one in seven people will be charismatics. Basically, our Pentecostals, people who have embraced the person, work, and power of the Holy Spirit. But this, this time, it was new. There was just the initial outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And they said, we haven't even heard there is a Holy Spirit. They believed on Jesus, but they didn't know about the Holy Spirit. So Paul asked, then what baptism did you receive? John's baptism, they replied. And Paul said, John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told the people uh, in the one coming after him to believe in the one coming after him, and that is Jesus. On hearing this, they were then baptized in the name of Jesus. So they were initially, there was the baptism of John, which was just of repentance. It was a turning. Then they get water baptized, which is baptism in the name of Jesus. And then it says Paul placed his hands on them. The Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. As I've stated before, speaking in tongues is nothing to be afraid of because it's in the Bible. I should get some more amens out of here. So if you feel a resistance to that, I'm just telling you, it's in the Bible. There's nothing for you to fear because it is in the Scriptures. And not only that, they spoke in tongues and they prophesied. I believe that many will receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit and prophesy. But he placed hands on them. That's kind of uh, what happens a lot in the Scriptures. Sixty percent of the people who are baptized in the Holy Spirit were baptized in the Holy Spirit by the laying on of hands. So... Of all the scriptures where you see the baptism of the Holy Spirit, 60% of the time it was because somebody laid hands on them, which means 40% of the time it's not necessary. Everybody doing the math on that? I'm not a big math major, but I can figure that out. Okay. Here's another scripture. This is another um, really important scripture on the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Acts 19 is one. Acts 8 is another fantastic scripture on this. Verse 14 through 17, it says, When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, this is talking about salvation, They sent Peter and John to Samaria because they had received the Holy Spirit. When they arrived, they prayed for the new believers. Notice they were believers. They believed on the Lord Jesus Christ there that they might what? Receive the Holy Spirit. So they were believers, but they had not yet received the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit, it says, had not yet come on any of them. They had simply been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Peter and John placed their hands on them, and they received what? The Holy Spirit. Everybody say the Holy Spirit. the Holy Spirit. So notice they placed hands on them to receive the Holy Spirit. They, did, they were baptized by the laying on of hands. He didn't say they dunked them. Nobody put their hands and went... Kuh-kush. Okay, it wasn't a dunk. It was a laying on of hands. All right. It was different. So basically this is I'm going to try to simplify this when you are saved salvation. We would call that many people would call this a lot of people would call this the first work of grace the first work of grace a doctrinal term if you want to ever look it up would be the doctrine of regeneration. In other words, you are a triune being you have a body this external temporal temporary shell you have a mind or soul. And then you also have a spirit. Your body and your mind are alive, but your spirit is dormant until you ask Jesus into your heart. The Holy Spirit is the agent of change that ignites that spirit. It's like a pilot light at the bottom of an oven. It needs to be started. Once that thing is started, that triune being comes into a synergy and synchronizes with each other. And then you have to feed that spirit for it to have jurisdiction or leadership over the other parts of your triune being. I said a lot in there, but anybody get all that? Okay, so salvation is we receive the Holy Spirit at salvation. That's true. You've, so if you're saved, you have the Holy Spirit. I want to make that abundantly clear next sentence. But there is a second uh, work of grace or a second experience. This would be considered like a deeper work, a deeper work of the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You might say, well, Pastor D, why are there two separate experiences? That's what I'm going to spend a little, a little bit of time on with you now. So, and I think the reason there are two separate experiences, there's just one reason, but it's a good one, is that God never wanted to complicate the doctrine or the belief or the process of salvation. He wanted to make it, he didn't want to, over, man overcomplicates, but, but God simplifies Okay, So if it's complicated, it's probably not God. If it's complicated, it's probably man. So God never wanted the simplicity of salvation to ever be packaged with anything that would complicate just receiving Christ by grace through faith. How do we receive Christ? By grace through faith. How do we receive Christ? Come on, say it with me. By grace through faith. So grace is a gift. Faith requires our faith to receive that gift. What do you have to do for it? I have to receive it by faith. Do you have to earn it, deserve it, pay for it? No, it's paid for. I just have to receive it. If I said you have tickets to a Red Sox game, they're at Will Call, what do you have to do? Can you go to the game? Not unless you go to Will Call and get the tickets. They're there for you. Do you have to pay for them? No, they were given to you by grace. What do you have to do? You have to activate your faith, go down there and get those tickets. Everybody get it? So we're saved by grace. Grace through faith. And so the cross of salvation, uh, the the work of Christ in our life is for eternity. It, Jesus and salvation are all about eternity, forever. The Bible says in John 17, this then is eternal life that they might know me, Jesus Christ. See, so, so, so relationship with God doesn't begin just when you die. It begins when you come to know Jesus and by the Holy Spirit are regenerated, you receive salvation. When that happens, this can happen in this life, the relationship be- goes on forever, It starts here, but it goes on forever. Amen? Is everybody with me? But the baptism of the Holy Spirit has nothing to do with eternal life, but but it has everything to do with this present life. The Holy Spirit is here to help you live a successful life on earth in this crazy, nuts, messed up world in which we live. And the Holy Spirit is, is here to help you successfully navigate, live an overcoming life when everything in life wants to overcome you. Does anybody know what I'm talking about out there? I mean, it's tough. Life is tough without help. If you're not getting help, you will need help at some point. New England is in a highly <clears throat> self-reliant area of the world, historically. But New Englanders will hit a wall. There will be a storm, a nor'easter of some, of some size and demand at some point in our life, whether externally or internally, where we need help. And so the Holy Spirit is about success on earth. Why? Because there's going to be more hatred there's going to be more sin, there's going to be more temptation, more difficulty. The world is cursed, more is on its way. Pastor, could you be more positive? <laughs> I'm positive. There's going to be more of that kind of stuff coming your way. It's going to keep on happening, okay? So Jesus wanted you to know that the baptism of the Holy Spirit is to is to take you beyond your own natural ability. And at some point you have to come to the end of yourself and realize, I cannot do it by myself. That's how you get saved is you realize you're lost and you needed to be found. You realize you were drowning and you needed to be rescued. Nobody gets saved. Nobody receives grace until they embrace the prickly truth that I'm lost without Jesus. Nobody can handle this life until they receive by grace the power of the Holy Spirit to navigate this life. The same revelation knowledge that you had to come to to receive eternity is the same revelation knowledge you need to experience and overcome this life with the Holy Spirit. Man, that's a good point right there. That's a good point. I didn't. I didn't plan that. It's not even in my notes. So Jesus wanted us to know this. Okay. So let me show you the scripture for these two experiences. John chapter twenty. I'm going to read from John twenty, verses nineteen. I think through like twenty three. The context is this, and this. This is kind of like um, post resurrection pre-ascension for those of you who kind of find the context so Jesus has already lived a sinless life died come back to life post-resurrection but it's pre-ascension before he went back to heaven so there's this 40-day window where he's on the earth and he is showing himself and revealing himself and hanging out with people and doing all these crazy amazing things to prove to everybody he is who he says he was Okay, is everybody tracking with me? And on one of those days, he's here in John chapter 20, verse 19, and it says, On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders. Now, pre-Holy Spirit, look at the condition of the followers of God, afraid and hiding behind closed doors. That is most of the church in America today. It's masked intolerance because we don't know how to navigate the truth with power in the world. So we either become tolerant to an extreme or we become truth terrorists where we just whip everybody and make them feel like they're sinners and they're bad and we're better than they are. So people are just withdrawing behind closed doors and hiding. You know why? Because they don't have the Holy Spirit to help them overcome in this life. That's why. And that's what's happening in this, and it applies to us today. And Jesus came right into that situation and stood among them. You know what that's saying right there? He walked through the wall. Hello. That's a good place for a hello. You know what I mean? There's a wall. You come through. I would have said, hello. But Jesus said, peace be with you. That's another. That's, this, this is what we call Bible humor. Okay, Peace be with you. A guy just walked through a wall. I would have like peed my pants right there. I think that's in the Greek, peed their pants, pursuing, things like that. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. These are all these post-crucifixion proofs. And um, the disciples, it says, were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. They believed. They saw and believed. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. And with that, he whoosh, breathed on them. Receive the Holy Spirit. Now, you're, gonna, you're thinking something else, and I'm going to explain it to you in just a second. Notice the language that he is using here, and it says, If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. So he's talking about, and I'll prove it to you in just a second, how your heart is changed through the forgiveness of sins, and to that, uh, you, in order to receive the forgiveness of sins, it must happen by the Holy Spirit regeneration by the Holy Spirit but to get all the details sometimes for a text that you're reading sometimes you have to see it in context or you have to see other texts that have other details that fill in the blanks on some of the parts of the story in other words uh, this is called this particular gospel is part of what's known as the synoptic gospels there are four gospels and sometimes there are details in one gospel same story that are not in the other gospel uh, same story is everybody tracking with me so far Yes, maybe. All right, well, the Holy Spirit will help you with the rest of that. So there's a detail in John that's not in Luke, and there's one in Luke that's not in John. That's what I'm saying. Same story, just different authors. So Luke 24, same story as John 20, verse 36. I'm going to show you some details here to help unpack what Jesus just did when he breathed on them. It says, while they were talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them. Poof. You know, hello. That's the same story, okay? And he said to them, peace be with you. Same story, another gospel. They were startled and frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. He said to them, why are you so troubled? Why do you doubt? Why does doubt rise in your mind? Look at my hands and my feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones, as you see I have. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they still not, did not believe, it's because... It's because of joy and amazement, he asked them, do you have anything here to eat? So he goes another, another uh, level with them. And so they gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took and ate it in their presence. So they had a fish fry to prove that he was the son of God, because ghosts don't eat fish, okay? Certainly not something from like John Silver's or whatever that, you know, thing is. What's the name of that? John. Long John Silver's. Yeah, worst food on the planet. Anyway. So never, never am I going there ever ever. Ever again. Okay. (laughs) So he said this to them. This is what I told you while I was still with you. This is what I told you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. Then he, look, I love this. Then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. He told them, this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And repentance for forgiveness of sins will be preached in the name, in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. This is cool now. Check this out. I'm going to, I'm going to send you future tense language here. I haven't, but I'm gonna. I'm going to send you what my Father promised. Again, same story. First work of grace has taken place. He's saying another work of grace is coming. I'm going to send you what my Father has promised, but stay. In the book of Acts, you know, uh, they they went into an upper room and prayed, and and Jesus told them to wait until the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Some people go through their walk of faith, They, they go before they wait. They go before they wait. They get out there, and they're walking a plank, and they they can't swim. They cannot navigate the storms, the seas, and the waves because they didn't wait before they go. Because the Holy Spirit wants to come on people and help people in this life. And he says, so I'm sending you. It's coming. I'm going to send you what my Father's promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed. Another work of grace with power from where? On high, it says. It says. So here's what's happening in the story, and we can see it from the Gospels. If you see all the Gospels together, they were receiving the Holy Spirit that is accompanied by salvation initially but it's clear from these scriptures these three same story three different uh, locations that there's another or deeper level uh another experience or another work of grace is everybody tracking with me they had not yet received the power of the holy spirit it was coming and this is what jesus is talking about it's called baptism baptism in the holy spirit or receiving the holy spirit now some of you um you know, how do I explain that? So salvation would be like this, 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 this water bottle has water inside of it, right? So, so but when you, when, this is, it's, it's kind of filled with water. When you get saved, you are filled with water, all right? But if you put this water bottle in a pool, it's baptized with water. Okay, it's a deeper level. I'm not saying when somebody gets saved uh, that they don't have the Holy Spirit. No, you have the Holy Spirit. But man, when you get baptized in the Holy Spirit, it's as if you just put this thing in a pool. Does that make sense? It's a whole different kind of work of the Holy Spirit. Both are involved. Both need the Holy Spirit. But one is a deeper level of the Holy Spirit. Not to help you hear, but to help you hear. And we all need help here. If you don't know that, then you, you're going to know it sooner or later. So, so here's, an, here's another example of this. The book of Acts, chapter 1. Acts 1. Okay, note takers or history makers will help you a lot. Acts 1, verses 3 and following. In the book of Acts, Luke, again, is the author here. And, and, and I'm just going to skip into it a little bit. Jesus presents himself to them. And, and Luke is basically referring back to the story that we just read about. And it says, and he gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. Remember, we just read those. We just read that, you know, he walked through a wall. He showed his hands. He showed his side. He had a fish fry. Okay? So those were the convincing proofs, right? He gave them this command in Acts 1. He said, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait. Everybody say wait. Wait, wait before you go. Turn to your neighbor say, wait before you go. But wait for the gift my father has promised. Here's another example. John baptized with water, but in a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Clearly, we see, I want you to see, there is a second experience in the scriptures here. When they they received Jesus' salvation, Jesus breathed on them. It was a breath. But in Acts chapter 2, they got a wind of the Holy Spirit. Oh, I hope you can get what I'm just saying. It's the water bottle, it's the pool thing. Jesus breathed on them salvation, but in Acts chapter 2, whoo! there's a mighty, mighty, mighty rushing wind blew over all the people. Blew over all of them. That is salvation, the breath of God, and it's right here in our heart. But in Acts chapter 2, there's a mighty rushing wind. Baptism is the wind of God here. Every one of you have received the breath of God, probably in this room, but many have not received the wind or the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's a second experience. Is everybody tracking with me? So he poured out his power because he knew... He knew what? He knew they would need it. Jesus was going to be leaving. He was not going to be right there with them. He wasn't going to guide them, tell them what to do, and take care of everything all by himself. And he knew he couldn't because this thing was going to explode all over the whole planet. And he said, I must go so he will come. And when he comes, it will be a second experience with the people. But there are two, I'm going to give you two, just two, common errors Uh, In this teaching and on this subject. This is what some people say. You may have come from a different background. You may be listening at some point online to this teaching because it gets passed on. But some say things like, you know, it didn't happen. You know, uh, or excuse me, they believe it happened, but it wasn't intended for anyone else. It happened, but it wasn't intended for anyone else. It was just for that group of people at that time. All right? This is what's known as cessationist teaching cessationists. There are people who believe it happened then, but it's over. It's just it, it went out when the apostles died and apostolic age was over. It was over. People believe this. That's, that's kind of their position on that. The Bible does not agree with that. I wish I could teach on all that tonight, but I'm not going to tonight. Some say things like, this is another one that's really sad, and I've ministered to people about this, and you probably know people. You might even be people like this, but you're not even saved if you're not baptized in the Holy Spirit. Some people, some denominations, there are many Pentecostal denominations that teach and believe and espouse that if you are not baptized in the Holy Spirit, you are not saved. The Bible does not teach that. The tr- and that's clear from these scriptures that I just read you. They had already believed. They were new believers, it says. They already received Jesus. Okay, so it's clear that that's not the case. The truth is that God wants us to keep salvation in its simplicity by grace through faith. Can I have an amen again about that? So he, but he, so he wants to breathe on you, the Holy Spirit, for salvation. But he wants, to, he wants you to experience a mighty outpouring, a wind of the Holy Spirit in your life as well. And you've seen it just five times in the scriptures. We've seen it already. So he wants this separate experience. So why do I tell you this? And I'm going I'm to build up to something. And just think about this for yourself. You put it in your own context. I could give so many examples, but I really want to get less talk and more encounter. But I've, I've never met Christians who said that, you know, I don't believe in the power of God. I, I, haven't met, I haven't met people that say, I just don't believe in the power of God. I'm sure they're there. I've never met people or Christians that say, I don't even believe in miracles. I, I, most Christians believe in miracles. Yes or no? Right? I haven't I, I haven't seen many Christians, if any, who say that I don't believe in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. People don't have a lot of issue with that. People don't have a lot of issues with the gift of faith. I never heard of, I have a, I got a problem with the gift of faith. Man, that gift of faith. Pfft, I don't know about that. You, you can't say that, right? I mean it's like I I have a problem with the gift of wisdom. And I got Dame Bramage from it. Okay, nobody says stuff like that, right? People don't say that, right? So, but what the pro- what the problem is, and what happens a lot of time, everybody doesn't have a problem with that. But there's one problem that hangs people up, in my experience, over and over and over again. And some point, you get to hear it. Most of the time, you feel it. But people are thinking it. What's up with the tongues? Yeah. Turn to your neighbor. Say, what's up with tongues? What's up with tongues, okay? Can we do this? In other words, what they're saying is, can we do this thing on this level without that? That's what we do with a lot of things in the economy of God. To me, the two greatest signs of maturity in the development of a believer, I'm just going to give you my personal opinion. I have no agenda when I say this. This is just 23 years of experience. People who don't tithe and are not baptized in the Holy Spirit People who don't tithe, they, they, they want to figure out what's the minimum I can do and still be okay with God. Yeah. Yeah. That's, what, that's what people who don't tithe, that's kind of what we're thinking. It's like, it's like I either just don't believe it, or if I do it, it's because I'm trying to figure out how to just get in, just get over the line. Just, can I get right up close to the line? People do the same thing with the, Holy, with the gifts of God. I want this, I want this, I want this, I want this. No thank you. <laughs> the tongues part. Can we put that one in the closet? The trunk, the glove compartment, the jack-in-the-box. No, anyway, that won't happen, all right? So what's up with tongues? Let's look at this next text because it explains why tongues is so critical and so essential to you having power in this life. This is 1 Corinthians chapter 2. I'm literally going to try to execute the whole text, okay? So don't get nervous. It'll go fast. Verse 1. Is everybody liking this so far? Okay, so verse 1. This is Paul talking, all right? This is a guy who knew a lot about the subject. He says, he says uh, when I came to you, I did not come with eloquence or human wisdom. I didn't come to you, in other words, with intellectual prowess, natural human capacity. That's what he's saying right here. I didn't come with you with eloquence or human wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I'm all good with that. I'm all good with that. I came to you in weakness with great fear and trembling. But my message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words. I think that is the preoccupation of the American church. I want to have the wisest saying. I want to have the best line. I want to have the most tweetable thing on the planet. I want to be quoted time and time again for all the great things that I've said, etc. Paul says, I don't, I'm not into all that. But my message and my preaching came with something that wasn't natural but was supernatural. It came with a demonstration. A demonstration is when somebody gets up and shows you the money. Somebody doesn't just talk about it. They do something about it. He says, I came to you with a demonstration of what? The Spirit's power. Everybody say, The Spirit's power. Paul, why? Why did you do that? He says, so that your faith might not rest, key word in a little bit, on the ability, you know, to explain it real well. Your faith might not rest on human wisdom, he says, but on God's power. God never wanted your faith to rest On your natural abilities, your own descriptions, your own articulations, your own postulates, principles, great one-liners. He wants your faith to rest on God's power. That's what he wanted. That's what Paul is saying. Some things are not meant to be understood. They're meant to be experienced. And let me tell you something. I got to tell myself something. You need this. You need to get to a place where you are desperate for the power of God in your life. Let me say it like this. I'm a fairly smart person, okay? I don't think I'm stupid. That would be false humility. I don't think I'm a brainiac. I don't think I'm Lex Luthor on Jesus juice. I don't think I'm that smart, okay? But I think I'm fairly smart. I've had 23 plus years of full-time ministry experience. But I can say this to you. It ain't enough. It ain't enough to lead God's church. I can't tell you how many times I get up in front of people like you, and I'm like, oh, my God. Help me. And there's some times where I think I got it, and I don't got it. It ain't enough. I feel that a lot of times. In other words, if this was all up to me, if, this was all, if, if your life was all up to you and your ability and your understanding and your knowledge you know, and, how you, and how I could explain things to you, I feel sometimes that pressure. I'm trying to make sense. Make it work. Make it work for you. Make it understandable. And there's a gift for that, and there's a necessity of that, and something we should strive for. But if all this was up to me to take you somewhere and lead you somewhere and do it some way, we're all in trouble. And this church would be in big trouble. But if we come to meet and encounter God, this is what's so cool about it. It takes the pressure off. If we all come to the awareness, to the desperate awareness that we need the power of God in our life... The pressure's off. That's the whole point. God's trying to create a divine poverty between you and God. Where well, you realize, I, I, can't, I, can't, I can't cash these chips without him. I can't make it. I need a daily dose of the Holy Ghost. Come on, somebody. That's tweetable. Anyway, just kidding. <laughs> All right. So here's what it says. In verse 6 through 9, it says, we do, however, Paul's talking now, speak a message of wisdom among the mature, but not the wisdom of this age or the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. Keep following them. Look where it's going. No, we declare God's wisdom a mystery. A mystery. God's wisdom is a what? Mystery. That has been hidden, another level, hidden at, and, and that God destined for our glory. I love this. I love this so much because, listen, God's desire for you is to have his glory. Do you know what his glory is? In, in, in the Old Testament, the word for glory is the word kabod. It means the weight of God, the full weight of who God is. He would rest on a certain place. He's looking for a footstool to put, you know, his weight or his glory upon us. God's desire is for you to have his glory, the full weight of who God is. In the Old Testament, the, the glory of God would descend upon the people. I think it's somewhere in Chronicles, Second Chronicles chapter 5. It, the glory of God fell upon the priests and they couldn't even stand up because the weight of God it just, just knocked them down. There's times where God would manifest his glory uh, in the Old Testament and the New as well. God, you need to know this, wants you to have the weight of his glory. And you would experience that. You would know who he is. You would feel that. Everything that he is, he wants you to experience as a New Testament, New Covenant believer, he wants you to feel the weight of who he is. I think it's in Acts chapter seven. In fact, I don't know where it, it's something in Acts chapter seven. It talks about this uh, um, where he's looking for that, that resting place to put his glory. If you look at, it, I think it's Acts seven forty nine. I can't remember the exact quote, but it talks about this 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 where where can I go? Where can I want to put my I want to put my weight? I want to put my spirit on the people of God. But listen, this is what would happen if if something doesn't change. His weight or his glory, if you would crush you. It would crush you. I think if God put his weight on my body, on your body, we'd just be poof. We'd just explode. We would just explode. So he wanted to do this. He wanted to put his weight on us. The four-hour glory, it says, before time began, none of the rulers of this age understood it. For if they had, they wouldn't have crucified the Lord of glory. However, as it is written, so cool, what no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no human mind has conceived, the things God has prepared for those who love him, that mystery, that deeper work, He's not talking about heaven here when he talks about glory. Paul never mentions heaven in here. He's saying, I have a glory for you, a destined glory for you, a destiny of the full glory of God to put upon you, a weight of God to put upon you of who he is. And if your eyes saw it, you couldn't process it. If your ears tried to hear it, it would blow your human speakers. If your mind tried to understand it, it would short-circuit you. You can't do that by yourself. It's impossible. The full weight can't be processed. It cannot be managed, maintained, controlled, or conceived. So if your eye saw it, you couldn't get it. If your ear heard it, you couldn't process it. If your mind tried to get it, you couldn't understand it. It couldn't. So this, all of this, creates a dilemma. It creates a problem. God, we can't, so how, I know you want to. Listen, so what did God do? What was his solution for us? His solution is that he was gonna, this is what the heavenly language is all about. Your eyes can't, your ears, your mind, so, but I wanna put my glory, I want you to experience all of who I am, but if I did, you wouldn't be able to stand up. If I did, it would crush you. You couldn't handle all my weight. So this is why he gave us a heavenly language. God has this need for you to experience the full weight of who He is, but you have to, you're part of this, you have this part of your being that can process or overcome this problem or this dilemma that no eye can see no ear can hear and no mind can conceive that what is entered into the heart of what God has prepared for those who love him but God it says it later in this verse has revealed it to us by his what spirit how has he revealed it to us by his spirit so it says in verse 10 these are the things that God has revealed to us by his spirit so your triune your body your external part of your body that, that's the natural part of you your mind it, it's the will the emotions you know the mind of you the soul part of you, that's, that's, that can't process it. It has a limited, your mind, your body has a limited hard drive. There's only so much capacity, only so much space in this mind. Mine has less than some of you. Some of you have really low amounts. Just kidding. Some of you have lots. We all have, but against the hard drive of God, it's just, it's unlimited, Right? So, so, there's this problem. Your body can't process the glory, can't hold the weight. Your mind can't process because of its limited hard drive. And I think if we tried, we'd explode, but God wants to pour out His Spirit. He wants to give us the full glory of who He is. So, we need more power, right? Say, I need more power. But we got this problem. So God has to come up with a new way to get his glory to you and bypass my mind and bypass this body and all of its limitations and all of its governors on it. So the solution is he creates a language that your body and your soul cannot understand. He he bypasses it. The spirit man, when this happens, is like, yeah, baby, finally, can you shut them off? Can you turn that mind down? Can you just put that body aside? Because I got some things that I want to say to God. And God has some things that he wants to say to me. And so, so God, when we receive this heavenly language, he shuts that off so there can be a direct connection between God's spirit and your spirit. Are you guys getting this? That's why it says in Romans 8, our spirit will not pray with words, but with groans and, 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 and that words cannot express. And in doing so, we pray the perfect will of the Father, it says. Oh, man. Because it bypasses that. Because your mind will filter things out wrongly. It will change things. Your body will infiltrate the work and will of the Holy Spirit and the flesh can get in there. And no flesh will glory in his presence. And so sometimes we pray with our understanding and we get somewhere. But a lot of times our understanding runs out. And a lot of times our understanding is a tainted, dirty windshield. And that's why we need the pure spirit-to-spirit connection between us and God. In verse 10, it says, the spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. That's what we want, all that God has. For who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. What we have received is not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, so that we may understand what God has freely given us. This is what we speak, not in words taught us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit, explaining spiritual realities with spiritually taught words. He's talking about this heavenly language. The person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness. You know what? You will always criticize that which you do not understand. You will ultimately and eventually always criticize that which you do not understand. And, and it says, and cannot understand them with that, with that worldly perspective. And cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the Spirit. The person with the spirit makes judgment about things, but such a person is not subject to merely huge human judgment. So who has known the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have been given, the Bible says, the mind of Christ. So tongues is simply a way for your spirit man and God's spirit to have a conversation and communication and leave all the other parts of your trying being out of it because sometimes those parts can mess things up for you. Now let me, let me give you a few questions I'm going to answer, and this will take me no time that people ask. Ask about the baptism of the Holy Spirit and I'm going to pray for you. The team can actually start to come up now. Just be very still though and just think about these things. Here's, here's a question people ask. Can I be baptized in the Holy Spirit and not speak in tongues? Can I? Has, has anybody ever thought this before? Raise your hand if you ever thought this before. Can I be baptized in the Holy Spirit but not speak in tongues? The answer is yes, you can. But you can also be married and not kiss your wife. I'll let that sink in. You can be baptized in the Holy Spirit and not speak in tongues, but you can be married and not kiss your wife. And my response to that is, why would you want to do that? <laughs> I just thought more people would like that point than they really did. My, my question, you know, is a lot of people are, you, you, what we're, when we ask questions like that, it's not because we want it so bad. It's because we're trying to figure out how to get it and not have this. stop running and rejecting the baptism of the Holy Spirit and all that God has for you. That's like rejecting a part of the marriage experience with your wife. It's not a repulsive. Listen to me. I I take subtle offense to what people think about my friend, the Holy Spirit, that that somehow speaking in tongues or the baptism of the Holy Spirit is some repulsive experience. On his behalf, I, I take offense to that. It's a beautiful thing, it's a wonderful thing. Paul said, I wish you all could pray in the Spirit. I pray in the Spirit more than you all. He said, don't forbid the speaking in tongues. See, we have to, you have to change your thinking in order to be able to receive all that God has for you. I pray in the Spirit, really, right now in my life right now in recent years, I pray in the Spirit more than I do with understanding. Just to tell you a little bit about my own experience because i cannot handle the weight of the world so i need more of the weight of god on my life it makes you stronger to face the weight of the world because i know my limitations and i need the power of god here's another question people ask can every believer speak with tongues today Can every believer speak with tongues today? Uh, In 1 Corinthians 13, some people say things like, well, I thought that tongues, it says that tongues would pass away. Well, the context, that's just out of context. It's not a good translation. Basically, it's saying if if you have not love, those things will pass away. That's the context of that particular verse. But it also says, if you don't agree with that, it says knowledge will pass away. So has knowledge passed away? If it had, we wouldn't be sitting here right now learning anything. Your brain and your mind are working, knowledge is accelerating at such an exponential rate on the planet today. Knowledge has not passed away. And can I tell you something? Neither is tongues. Tongues has not passed away. And and just as a quick insert for somebody who's that you're wrestling right now with the enemy, if you don't receive the Holy Spirit, the baptism, you're not a second-class Christian. You're we're not, nobody that has it is not better than anybody. You're just better off. Okay, so don't listen to the enemy when he lies to you. Well, you know, all these people, they think they're better than me. Because they, you know, they're like tongue talkers and water walkers, okay? <laughs> don't listen to that. That's crazy. So, so let's get to the meat and potatoes, all right? want to write this down. How do you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit? I want to sing that here as in heaven, okay? You can start playing that just lightly behind me if you, if you can. Here's how you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Number one, remove all barriers. Most of you, I believe this by faith, most of you are going to receive the, the, the your prayer language tonight. Some of you listen to me, some of you won 't, and it 's because you have to still remove barriers. If you do not receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit and receive your heavenly prayer language it 's because of a barrier there 's a barrier, I'm not judging you i 'm just saying you just got to get rid of the barriers you just got to get rid of the barriers. I, I know people who have been prayed for. Uh, once to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Three days later, they go home. They're in their room and they're seeking God, and they get the prayer language all by themselves. I, I know, I know, lots of people where that's happened too. Why did Why did it happen that way? Because they just had to keep removing the barriers. The Holy Spirit was just pulling all these barriers away. So don't don't take the pressure off. You don't get it tonight. That's okay. That's okay. A lot of you are going to get it tonight because the barriers, uh, right now, as I've been preaching, even in the midst of worship, because the anointing breaks the yoke. That means it breaks barriers. They're all coming off, so it's easy to get it. Can I have an amen to that? Like you just be receptive in your spirit. Just just open up your heart. Be receptive in your spirit. Barriers, barriers coming off. You just got to get rid of those barriers. Truth be known, I, I I think I prayed with hundreds of people to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. In 2013, we were in right in this room on a Sunday morning, and 87 people got baptized in the Holy Spirit with their prayer language. 87 people. I'll never forget that as long as I live, because the barriers were just all coming off, people. Barriers just going away. Listen, you will receive it almost instantly, in my opinion, when you remove all the barriers. Literally, as the barriers come off, instantly you'll get it. So you just you just focus on what are the barriers. You know, you can even ask the Holy Spirit. Because, listen, whether you get your prayer language or not, if you, by grace through faith, you get saved. By grace through faith, you get baptized in the Holy Spirit. So if you believe that you have received it, then you what? You have it. So if you don't have your prayer language, then it will manifest, but it doesn't believe it. We don't believe we don't have that just because I haven't seen the manifestation of that. By faith, have you ever stood in faith in something until it came to pass for a healing? But you said, I believe I'm healed in Jesus' name. What did you do? You confessed and professed the word of God. Faith was above the facts in my feelings, and faith stood in the gap. Until it manifested in my life. Did I receive it by faith? Amen. I received it by faith. I know my miracle is coming. You do the same thing with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Baptism of the Holy Spirit doesn't just give you your prayer language. It makes you a bold witness. It makes you, you get the holy of the Holy Spirit. So you're sanctified to be able to walk out what God's told you to walk out. One of the biggest signs and symptoms of the baptism of the Holy Spirit is you become a bold witness. You go out of here, you look and you read every single example of the Holy Spirit. They were going out telling everybody about Jesus and they were influential, immediately influential. Oh, man. So you'll receive it instantly when you remove the barriers. The next one is request the free gift of the Holy Spirit. Request. So remove barriers, request the free gift of the Holy Spirit. If you Just think about it. God's not going to give you a bad gift. You know the scripture, you know, if your, if your mother and father would give you good gifts, how much more would your heavenly father give you the gift of the Holy Spirit? Come on, what does the heavenly father give you? The gift of the Holy Spirit. He's not going to give you bad gifts. He's going to give you the best gifts, okay? Here's the next thing. So request it. I want it. God, I want it. Then you receive it. Receive the gift. That's the third thing. Receive the gift. When you receive this, I was making fun and kind of having fun with you. This is not some kind of linguistic seizure that comes over you. And your eyes roll back up in your head. No, you will still have control. You may or may not speak fluently right away. You may have just a few syllables. I began to pray in the Holy Spirit when I was a young boy. I just got just a few words. I just got these four little words. I I was like nine years old. And as sure as as I'm standing here, I knew that God gave me those words. That's all I got. Man, I'd pray those four words over and over again. But it was at a a later date where God gave me the ability to speak more fluently by the Spirit. And as I was sharing with you recently, uh, I can remember it coming over me in a setting, in an environment much like this with young people. And we just prayed for the filling of the Holy Spirit. And when it came over me, I began to speak in tongues like full sentences. My arms are moving. I'm like talking to God. I don't know what I'm saying, but my spirit is getting busy there's something happening and it was happening on the inside of me i'm crying i'm shouting i mean something was happening in heavenly realms let me tell you something, i was bold after that it changed me so you can receive this gift here's the last thing release your prayer language remove barriers request the free gift receive the gift by faith release your prayer language god is not going to take over your tongue and make it move i want the gift crickets. No, it's not going to be like that. You must cooperate with the Holy Spirit and commit, listen, commit not to pray in English. To release the gift of the Holy Spirit, your prayer language, you commit not to pray another word in English and begin to declare my spirit begins to declare the wonderful works of God spirit to spirit. By faith, stop praying in English and act on it. You know what? Faith without action is dead, right? Faith with action comes alive. You want your prayer language to come alive? You believe something and you act on it. Sometimes I get asked, you know, by people, is there another step? Nope. There's not another step. Shouldn't, you know, shouldn't I, you know, shouldn't I say something a certain way? You know, shouldn't I use a certain phraseology? You know, see me tie my bow tie or something like that? Shouldn't I say that? See me tie my bow tie. Say it five times fast. See me tie my bow tie. See me tie my bow tie. See me tie my bow tie. Hey, you got it. No, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm not going to give you a phrase. Nobody's going to give you that phrase and say it over and over again. We're not going to talk in Hyundais and Kawasaki's and all that kind of stuff. You guys just needed this, okay? You need to get free, relax. Relax, okay? Trust Jesus. Trust the Father. He's going to give you what he promised. Amen? All right, why don't you stand to your feet. Let's pray. I'm going to pray something. I don't know what. And then I'm going to lead you in a prayer. And then we're just going to see where this goes, okay? Does everybody get something out of that so far? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You can kind of dim the lights a little bit. Let's just start. Let's just raise our hands, okay? Let's invite the Holy Spirit into our hearts, into into this room. Lord, I just come against every vestige of resistance, every mental and intellectual barrier, every obstacle, every impediment. If you pray in the Spirit, just start praying in the spirit a little bit right now just to yourself, edify yourself don't bring somebody out, just edify yourself I come against every barrier every obstacle in the name of Jesus everything that gets in the way I ask for freedom, reign in this place, the Holy Spirit feel welcomed. but we ask for an atmosphere of the mighty rushing wind of God to be able to have its way and blow over your people in Jesus name we're going to take our time we're not rushing that's what Sunday night is all about we're going to worship to this next song right now and we're just going to we're just going to talk to God and we're just going to worship this is a song we never sang before in church and honestly they've never even played it before in church so this is going to be totally spirit-led but I just believe this next song is just going to set up what we're going to pray in just a minute so why don't you go ahead pastor D, lead us in this song God speak to us in Jesus name the atmosphere is changed. the miracle can happen now for you. How many? How many? How many? All right, I want to lead you in a prayer, okay? I just want you to put your hand on your heart, maybe on your heart, on your belly. The Bible says out of the belly will flow rivers of living water. Rivers of living water. If you have your prayer language, I want you to hold it right now. Just be still for a second because I want to, I want to allow and activate people that have not received it yet by faith, okay? So I want to just, I just want to lead you in a confession, Okay so if you if you you want to receive and if you have already received and you want a refreshing of the holy spirit i want you to pray this prayer with me okay say having received jesus christ come on say that having received jesus christ as my lord and savior putting my faith my trust and my hope in him i believe and trust jesus and his words and what he said before he left when he came back and when he accepted that the Holy Spirit would come and he must come and he would be poured out on the people of God so we could do the works of God here on earth I receive right now the Holy Spirit the gift of the Holy Spirit remove all barriers and all obstacles I want the gift And all the gifts of the Holy Spirit to fill me in Jesus' name. Release my prayer language. Give me a heavenly tongue that I might speak your words, heavenly wisdom, spirit-to-spirit connection, no obstacles. And I might prophesy as well and declare the wonderful works of God here on earth in Jesus' name. Now let me pray for you, Holy Spirit, I pray that for every person that prayed that prayer, that you would pour out your Spirit.